Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Friday, August 5th, 2022. Lots of interesting news going on today. I just got off of a recording uh, that you're going to want to watch with Brant Hadaway. Now, we talked to Brant earlier in the week about his appeal in the CDC case, uh, with, along with Leslie Manukian of Health, De- Health Freedom Defense Fund, healthfreedomdefense.org. But with the new developments in Florida, with Ron DeSantis suspending uh, prosecutor Andrew Warren yesterday and Andrew Warren's response, I thought, who better to get back in here but Brant Hadaway, who practices law in, in South Florida. And we had a great conversation about this. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, that's in the news today. Andrew Warren lashing out, saying this, this was about the Iowa caucuses, not about, not about um, justice in Florida. Uh, Charlie Crist is going after him for that. I got a post up about that at hotair.com. But um, this is about an abuse of power by Warren in terms of prosecutorial discretion. And it's about the use of gubernatorial discretion by Ron DeSantis. So Brant and I go through what's at stake, what's happened, what's likely to happen next. A lot of very interesting stuff, and the Florida courts come into play here. The Florida State Senate comes into play. You're definitely going to want to watch that. Uh, The big news this morning, of course, was the jobs report. Huge surprise in the jobs report. 528,000 jobs added, uh, showing that at least providing an argument that we have not hit recession yet, uh, that even though um, household income, real disposable personal income, I should make that clear, real disposable personal income has declined five quarters in a row. Uh, the economy as a whole is not in recession. And at least the argument can be made because you're growing jobs at a phenomenal rate. We've actually now finally exceeded the level of employment that we had in February 2020, right before the pandemic hit. But that is a static comparison. The comparison that we should have is where we're at in terms of all of the population as it now stands. And we're still probably two and a half million uh, uh, jobs shy, maybe two and a quarter million jobs shy of where we need to be uh, based on population growth. It depends on, on how you measure that. We had in 2020 and 2021, we added 3.8 million people to uh, the U.S. population, plus whatever uh, whatever we've added this year, but just the 3.8, we'll just say it's 4 million. At a 59% employment population ratio, we really should be adding, about, we really should have added around 2.5 million jobs back in um, on top of where we were at in February 2020. Uh, there's also some other anomalous things going on there. First off, with that rapid rate of job creation, you'd expect to see wages going up at a higher clip than it had been in the past because of competition. Uh, but actually, it's fairly static. It's not changed a whole lot. And it's still year-on-year year, 5.2% uh, wage growth up against 9.3% inflation. So you're still seeing a significant amount of wage erosion in July. Even with those numbers, you're seeing a significant amount of wage erosion. Plus, 303,000 people moved to part-time for economic reasons. That is a very large number. And it's going in the opposite direction of what the total jobs added is telling us. Also, the uh, workforce shrank by, uh, was it 200 and something thousand. So it's there's a lot of odd odd anomalies in this. Um, not too many um, revisions, though, off the previous two months. I think the total was adding in 28,000 jobs for revisions over the last two months. I think next month's revisions will be interesting because at 528,000, the, the 
the that's that's usually a percentage band so the revisions might be a little bit larger uh in um in august's job report for what happened in july but that 528,000 is a really good number it is a really good number it's a surprising number even the new york times was sort of preparing readers that this oh this is not going to be really good today and then it of course turned out to be very good um so the white house is going to claim economic success so is the Federal Reserve, which means that they are going to feel a lot more comfortable with a lot more rapid increase um, in uh, a lot more rapid increases in interest rates, which may ironically push us even further towards recession. A <laughs> um, lot going on in that job report. Um, so that's that was the big news here. Um, uh, the other thing that I think was interesting today, I, I've got a lot of different posts up and, um, you know, there's a post about uh, the other big news, of course, was Kirsten Cinema signing on to the, um, Manchin Schumer, uh, inflation reduction act, uh, by changing out the, by eliminating the, um, the tax change on carried interest and changing, um, the corporate minimum tax, uh, structure that was created in the original bill, 15% minimum, which was a flat rate. And then you had to pay, the corporations would have to pay the higher of two options. Um, but Cinema asked for and got um, either deductions or exemptions. I'm not sure which it was that would apply to the corporate minimum tax rate too, which makes it sort of an odd minimum tax rate. The, the whole idea of a minimum tax rate is to is to have one calculation with exemptions and one calculation without. So if you got exemptions applying in both directions, that minimum tax rate is going to be is it can drop significantly lower. I don't know that Bernie Sanders is going to go along with that. Uh, I don't know that House progressives are going to go along with that. And I think that it's still likely that this thing is going to pass, but. Uh, likely, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think especially when it moves over to the House, House progressives have been very angry about having to just swallow whatever the Senate produces. And they have been very vocal about the fact that they want all of these components in a reconciliation bill. All the components from Build Back Better. Uh, almost none of them are in here now, except for the climate, except for some much smaller climate change spending. Um, and then these um, watered down tax changes, which is very different from what they envisioned this bill to be uh, back in, you know, last summer, a year ago. So can Nancy Pelosi hold that caucus together? She can only afford to lose four votes in the House for whatever the Senate passes. Assuming the Senate passes something, Pelosi can only afford to lose four votes. I still think it's more likely than not that it's going to pass. I'm not going to try to sell this as it's, it's a dead issue. But I think Sanders' attack on this is is significant. And even if it passes, it's not going to look like much. And by the way, YouGov has a new poll out. I read about that this afternoon. Um, only 12% of respondents in this poll think the, in, the Inflation Reduction Act will actually reduce inflation. Three times as many people, 36%, think it will actually increase inflation. Um, and only one in five Democrats think it will actually reduce inflation. So... The branding they're putting on this is not working. It's still fairly popular, though. The bill itself is still fairly popular because of the components that are in it. But as an infl as a response to inflation, this thing is going to fall flat on the electorate. And I don't think this is going to give Democrats anywhere near the juice they think it's going to give them, even if it does pass before the reconciliation envelope expires. 
Uh, I also talk about the the oddity of the official response to monkeypox, the official, the missing guidances on human behavior in the monkeypox outbreak. The Washington Post is a little curious about that too. Um, and so that was kind of a fun post to write because I went back and took a look and the CDC, which is now in public officials, were saying, well, we don't really want to get involved in people's bedrooms. Well, they were right in your bedroom for the COVID uh, outbreak. And a lot of that advice sounds like it's the same type of advice they should be uh, giving in the monkeypox outbreak as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that. that that'll be fun. And of course, um, Alapundit has got a good post coming up about uh, collective freakout. Um, regarding abortion policy after the Kansas um, after the uh, Kansas uh, uh, referendum failed on uh, on a constitutional change there be sure to read that got lots of stuff coming up but coming up right now Brant Hadaway from Devonlier Law Group about Ron DeSantis Andrew Warren and the rule of law you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna stick around for the whole thing Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast on a Friday afternoon. And uh, we, you know, I know we talked to Brant Hadaway from the Davalier Law Group uh, earlier this week about the CDC uh, appeals, uh, appeal of the of their court loss in Florida and Brant and Leslie Manukian. Uh, we had a great conversation with Brant and Leslie Manukian, but I had to bring him back because we've got a Florida man story and Brant is the right guy to talk about this. Um, Ron DeSantis uh, suspended a what would a state attorney, which is sort of the uh, district attorney uh, function in Florida in the in their judicial districts, suspended him for neglect of duty, for refusing declaring that he would refuse to prosecute cases under some new statutes regarding abortion and sex change operations for minors, um, and um, Apparently, Andrew Warren was unfamiliar with the Florida Constitution, Brant Hadaway. Uh, the rest of us found this pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really funny. Uh, I guess that, you know, the the only argument that he could make was that, well, I, I haven't neglected any duty yet. I mean, that, that's an argument that was made by one of the old guard uh, Florida Republicans, Max Stepanovich, in response to this uh twitter thread now i full disclosure max stepanovich is one of my own father's old law partners and 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 but he's a uh he's a colleague with uh what's his name for the lincoln project wilson whatever but, rick wilson uh, yeah rick wilson yeah, yeah but um you know my 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 rejoinder to that was well what if he announced in advance that he was not going to enforce laws against murder or rape, you know, would the governor have to wait to see what happens before he takes action? To... So uh, I, I think DeSantis made a good move here, a smart move politically, and uh, that this may end up with the Senate removing the guy. Uh, we'll see what happens. Well, and this is what's really interesting about this. Um, and by the way, that wasn't your only response. I loved your response on Twitter to Andrew Warren directly, which was by Felicia. Um, we're going to get to that in just a second because you yeah. said more than you said more than by Felicia, but I really did enjoy the by Felicia one. But uh, you know the, um, I mean, this argument that um, that people are making that hey, first off, he hasn't he hasn't neglected his duty yet is rather absurd. I mean, this his response was that um, that. Uh, 
the sheriff's had the sheriff's office hadn't brought a case like this. None of these cases have been brought to us. We're not anticipating those cases being brought to us. You should go ask the sheriff whether he has had those cases and whether they're investigating arrest, inv arresting people for that. Because when they do and they bring a case, we'll evaluate it. But he declared, I mean, he signed a petition declaring outright that he would refuse to prosecute such cases. Mm -hmm. Right. It, you know, I, I guess for the educated class, it's it's hard to wrap your minds around the fact. But people who break the law, which we used to call criminals, but I guess we're not allowed to say that anymore. But people who break the law tend to respond to incentives just like anybody else. And you put out an incentive to say, uh, well, you know, if you break this law, you won't be prosecuted. Uh, then what would be the point of the sheriff even bringing it? Or how, how would, how would, you know, what would be the point of even reporting it? Uh, so there, there is, there is a, necess a necessary aspect of, of law enforcement in, in the, you know, in the role, when you're in the role of enforcing the law to make sure you send a clear signal that this law will be enforced. If you break it, you will be punished, you know, that's, you know, prosecutorial discretion, prosecutorial discretion may, uh, lead, uh, an individual prosecutor to treat individual cases differently, but, but to say outright, I'm not going to enforce this law, uh, that, that's inviting all kinds of trouble. And to say, well, I haven't broken it yet. Well, I haven't refused to enforce it yet because no case has been brought before me. Uh, you know, I, I guess m make that argument to the Senate or to the court in the inevitable lawsuit. We'll see what goes. Well, right. I mean, also lacks a certain testicular fortitude. He certainly was happy enough to sign the pledge when, when he didn't, when he thought yeah. that there were no consequences for it either, right? When the consequences yeah. arrived, all of a sudden it's like, well, I haven't, I haven't made a decision yet. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it, it's part of a bigger problem, of course, we're seeing with these Soros prosecutors. You know, and, and some of them are state, most of them are local, but some statewide, like uh, the Attorney General for the state of Michigan. I think she's she's one who is particularly egregious. She's totally political. She just politicizes every aspect of her job. And uh, this is a very, very dangerous route we're going down. You know, I think we talked about in our last discussion about the mass mandate, about how we're turning into a banana republic. Uh, and, and you know, one part of that is how we're looking, we've, we've been increasingly seeing selective enforcement of the law. And this is something that really began with Obama. Uh, you know, saying, well, I have prosecutor, prosecutorial discretion to ignore the law. No, no, you don't, buddy, champ. Uh, you have to enforce it in good faith. And that's your that's your the oath of office you took. Right. And I, I want to get to this because I think this is a, 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 a this is a really dishonest argument. The whole idea of prosecutorial discretion applying to statutes. Prosecutorial discretion applies to cases. Yes. Right. And and so if a, I mean, a prosecutor has a has a duty to represent the people, which includes, um, you know, at least to some extent, the person being charged. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so in representing the people, they are tasked with making sure that a prosecution of this person under this statute doesn't result in some sort of miscarriage of justice. Right. For one reason mm -hmm. or another, mitigating factors or the fact that that maybe whatever the action was didn't really fit under the statute under which this person was charged. That is, that is a duty of a prosecutor. And I think everybody understands that. Um, right? right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm correct so yeah. far, right, Brent? 
I, I think the, the easiest way to explain prosecutorial discretion, which is something that most people can relate to, is when you get pulled over for speeding and the cop takes your license, they look at you and he comes back to you and says, look, I'm going to cut you some slack this time and just give you a warning. That That's your basic level prosecutorial discretion right there. Right, right. I, I, you don't look like somebody who's, you look like somebody who's going to behave, you know, if you're given just notice that you need to behave that's prosecutorial discretion that doesn't mean that the state isn't in, or the city isn't enforcing speed limits right or parking or parking issues or anything else like that right yeah right exactly. it it doesn't include prosecutorial discretion does not include uh the authority uh for prosecutors individual prosecutors to simply decide that they don't like statutes and say right. and declare publicly that they don't plan to operate under these statutes because, and again, I get back to this point, prosecutors are basically the uh, the attorneys we hire for ourselves under this under a system of self-governing uh, regulations. We elect legislators to pass laws, executives to either sign off them or get overridden by veto overrides. And then we hire the prosecutors to represent us under the rules that we have established for self-governance. And so the prosecutor, as the attorney of the people who created these statutes, whether they like it or not, are duty bound to enforce these statutes. Yeah. And to me, it's even more fundamental that our constitutional order is based on the legislative branch making law in the executive branch, which is a prosecutor is a part of. Right. Executive branch enforcing the law. And if prosecutors decide they don't like the laws and that the legislature has enacted and they're not going to enforce them, then our entire constitutional order breaks down. Uh, and, and you have a, a constitutional crisis of sorts on a level. And, and, you know, it's really, it was really necessary, I think. It wasn't just a good political move by DeSantis, but I think it was necessary for him to do what he did to say, no, I, we're, I'm reimposing the constitutional order here. And right. you don't have the right to veto the laws. I do, uh, subject to the legislature, but uh, you know, your job is to enforce them. So you say you're not gonna enforce it, you're out. Okay, good. Yeah, so this brings <laughs> us to the constitution, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and I, I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta read, again, I gotta go back to Andrew Warren's response here. Um, where he says, um, I woke up to do my job today and that's exactly what I did. Just based on the governor's track record with unconstitutional orders, I have a feeling that this is going to be just as unconstitutional. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to why Andrew Warren, who is a, who's an attorney in good standing in the state of Florida, as well as being the elected um, prosecutor for the 13th judicial district which is you know the hillsborough county mm -hmm. as you well know H hillsborough county why he's not familiar with the constitution article 4 section 7 i mean he's got a feeling this isn't constitutional i mean isn't it incumbent upon an attorney <laughs> to actually i don't know do a little research brant i'm sure that you wouldn't go out in front of the media and say you know my client has been charged with this and i really haven't looked up the law but i have a feeling that this isn't right <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it, I'll be interested to see what his argument is. Uh, I, I, and, I'm, and I suppose, I suppose his argument is going to be, well, I haven't neglected my duties yet. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he did make that. He, and, did, and, he did make that and, argument and, and, explicitly. Yeah, you know, and 
and, and consider the fact that he, he's going to have to bring that case, if he brings it, in the 13th Judicial Circuit of Florida, which is Hillsborough County. It's pretty conservative. The uh, Intermediate Appellate Court is the Second District Court of Appeal. Pretty conservative. Uh, and then you got the Florida Supreme Court, which uh, right now the, the Constitution of the Florida Supreme Court is pretty conservative. And you have the Senate who, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at this uh, this uh, Article 4 here, Section 7, part uh, subpart B, the Senate may and proceeds remove from office or reinstate the suspended official. Right. Uh, I think at the, the I think I think the Senate's going to convene and remove the guy. I I just you know you know maybe they don't have the votes for it, but I just uh, I I think the Senate is right now as it's currently composed is is going to step in and say you know what the governor's right. Yeah, twenty three sixteen Republican majority. Just for people who aren't aware, it's a it's a forty seat Senate. I think there's one missing at the moment, mm -hmm. but uh, Republicans hold 23 seats in a 40 seat chamber. And so, yeah, I don't think that, uh, I don't think there's any um, really good avenue here for, for Warren, but just to get back to the constitution here, mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's a lot of talk about prosecutorial <laughs> discretion here. This is a case of gubernatorial discretion. The, mm -hmm. the state constitution um, grants the governor the authority to suspend these officials, and that's state officials or county officials, um, which, of course, you know, the mm -hmm. state attorney is in, in this case, based on his own discretion, based on his own his own discretion as to whether or not a neglect of duty is taking place or or any of the other. Uh, I mean, there's there's lots of other grounds here. You've got uh, mm -hmm. malfeasance, misfeasance, drunkenness, incompetence, permanent inability, commission of a felony. I mean, you can... You can maybe even include, you know, malfeasance. Um, and if he if he hasn't read the Constitution, maybe even incompetence. I mean, the guy's been in office for five years, a little over five years, five and a right. half years. And if he's not aware of this this section of the Constitution, I, I'm, I find that a, a really yeah. interesting argument to competence. But I mean, neglect of duty is clearly what. But right. he's the and by the way that and by the way that article has been invoked numerous times. I mean, here in Miami Dade County. Uh, it would be it would be hard to keep track of how many uh, officials, uh, local officials, have been removed from office under that section of the Florida Constitution, uh, either for incompetence or they've been charged with uh, a crime or you know any number of reasons. Right. Why? So it, it's not it's nothing new. Well, and the governor, it's, it's a plenary authority of the governor to do this. He can't remove them from office, but he can suspend them, which is exactly yeah. what DeSantis did. That's yeah. gubernatorial discretion. That's actually, I mean, that's actually a a, a legal exercise. I want, I, you know, I, I, even without characterizing it as a good exercise, it's a legal exercise of gubernatorial discretion, much more so than the claim of prosecutorial discretion by Warren and other progressive uh, prosecutors who just simply refuse to, uh, enforce laws um, and uh, broadly it refused to enforce laws. Um, and there is a check on that power, but it's the Senate. And this is my question is I, I, I'm sure he's going to try to sue DeSantis to get reinstated. But I think even in, even outside of Hillsborough County, right? Um, and there might be a recusal in Hillsborough County too. I might, 
<laughs> I think the first judge that gets gets in front of this and says, maybe you can take this over to a neighboring district because you know maybe we're a little too maybe we're a little we're a little too involved in this. But but <laughs> but any we can talk about possibilities of that too. But um, but I think any court's going to look at this and say this is not a legal matter. This is a political matter, and your only avenue here is to go back to the state senate and ask to be reinstated. Yeah, and I I think that's how my response as a judge would be that. It, it looks to me like your remedy is on, under our under Section Seven is in the is in the Senate. It's not here in court. So, you know, and and it's at the discretion of the Senate. So there's nothing uh, for me to do about it. I can't give you any relief. And, and you know, I, and I just wanted to make one other point. I think that this whole thing goes to the way DeSantis has come to see his role as governor. Uh, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting with him a few months ago, and he's really, really intelligent, just incredibly. He's just absorbs information. Uh, he has emerged from this whole COVID mess as someone who sees his role as governor as it, it, in in the way that the the framers of our constitution saw it, yeah. as a, def, a defender of liberty, and his part of that role as a defender of liberty is to defend our constitutional order. And that's what he's doing here. And, and I think that's brilliant. Uh, just for myself as a constitutional conservative, I love it. But it also works great politically. It's going to, I think, uh, it's. I know it's going to go over great here in Miami-Dade County. You know, I'm kind of curious about that myself, because when I was writing about this yesterday, when DeSantis actually announced this, right, the, the, mm -hmm. big, the big announcement, because you know, Christine Pusha had been saying, oh, you know, the liberal heads will be exploding. This is on Wednesday night when she's saying, you know, when she's, she's brilliant. I love, <laughs> she's great. I love her. She's great. <laughs> um, and, if, and Christine, if you're watching, hello. I'd love to talk to you, by the way, Christine, if you're watching. Yeah, um, Christine, please, please give me a follow on Twitter when you get a chance. Yeah, same here. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, but at any rate, um, you know, I didn't know what that was referring to on Wednesday, but clearly this was she wasn't overselling this. This is a big, huge, major thing. And, you know, Warren is saying today that, um, well, he's trying to impress the, you know, caucus voters in Iowa. Well, yeah, probably. I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't doubt that this is a, this is part of his his plan to pitch himself as the next real Republican leader um, ahead of the 2024 primaries. I mean, I don't doubt that at all. What I was kind of curious about, Brant, was how this was going to be received in this election cycle, because of course he's running for re-election. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I, I, I suspected that it will still be a, a net positive for him, but I wasn't sure exactly how that would lay out in Florida. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about how you think that this is actually going to impact the gubernatorial election, which he had, I mean, first off, he's way ahead. He's going to win this and he needs to win mm -hmm. it if he wants to make a claim for running in 2024. Oh, well, I can only speak for kind of my own social circle, right? But right. I, I think that certainly South Florida Hispanics, they they appreciate an alpha male move. And this is this is definitely an alpha male move. Uh, as far as the rest of the electorate, you know, your uh, your white non-Hispanic conservatives are going to love it because they are pro-life and they are deeply uh, suspicious of this whole transgender movement, which, by the way, has just destroyed so many lives. If, if you just 
uh, go on Twitter and look for some of the the Twitter handles of some of these detransitioners of uh, you know you know young women who who transitioned and had organs removed and and had hormone replacement therapy when they were children and now regret it. It, it just breaks your heart to see this stuff, and it should be criminal to perform these procedures on minors. Uh, and so I, th I, I, I think the there's definitely going to be a, a liberal element in this state, as as in any state, that, that he will never win. And uh, but but I I think for the constituents, for the people that like him and appreciate him, I th I think this is just going to make them love him more and, and make them more motivated. Right. <clears throat> and I think I, I want to address one more thing here too with you, and I think we've kind of we've kind of bounced around it. We just haven't addressed it explicitly, but you know, the mm -hmm. claim that this is an authoritarian move by, um, <laughs> by, by uh, Ron DeSantis to restore the proper constitutional rule of law in the 13th judicial <laughs> district. I mean, I find that laughable. The proper rule yeah. of law here is for prosecutors to follow the law as it's written. Um, but uh, I mean, I think that people have been yelling authoritarian for so long that it's almost like crying wolf anyway. But in this particular case, this is an absurd argument. The authoritarian here was was Andrew Warren. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what DeSantis did was anti-authoritarian because he's an authoritarian is is a, an executive who, who who acts lawlessly, arbitrary and capriciously. And DeSantis came in and said, no, we have something called the rule of law here, and I'm going to restore it. So th this was the opposite of authoritarian, if you ask me. Uh, I And I did. And that's the reason why I wanted to make, I knew you were going to give me that response too, but I wanted to make sure we got it as part of the record. Uh, all right, Brant, how do I, I, first off, appreciate you doing this on, on darn near a moment's notice here this morning, but it's just such a fun story. And uh, I loved your buy Felicia thing on Twitter. And, and where, where can people find that? How do they find you on Twitter? Just my name, Brant Hadaway. That's it. No, well, there you go. Brant had B-R-A-N-T had a way. And uh, DavalierLawGroup.com, D-A-V-I-L-L-I-E-R, LawGroup.com is where you can find um, uh, where Brant is uh, working from. And, um, and eventually, strangewomenlyingponds.com will 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 come back. Sure. <laughs> I I say this every time I get Brant on here, but yeah. uh, it's such a fun such a fun site, and uh, it, yeah. eventually we'll get you back. I swear we'll get you back. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I I guess uh, I'll, I'll have to, still have to keep my day job though. But... I think you probably will. <laughs> uh, and and thank goodness because we're going to keep watching that CDC case too, and you're doing a great work in there. And if you missed, I think it was Monday's uh, podcast, go back to Monday's podcast, because we had a great conversation with Brant Hathaway and Leslie Manukian of the Health Freedom and Defense Fund, healthfreedomdefense.org. Um, and uh, you can find out all the great work that he's doing because, uh, in, in large part, because he's not blogging anymore. So, you know, we can't complain about <laughs> it too much, Brant. <laughs> oh, well. All right. All right. Well, thanks for being with us, Brant Hadaway. Stay tuned for a little more from The Ed Morrissey Show. Thank you for watching and listening to The Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support The Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. 
Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the Town Hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.